Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It's a bit boring, isn't it? It's a bit boring, Ben. How, how are you doing, mate? How's it going? Welcome to welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, it is boring. It's This international break has just been like, they're bad at the best of times, and especially with kind of the frequency that we've tended, like we've had them over the last few months. It's just like, that game on Friday night, I kind of watched it out of necessity because I was like, oh, I could talk about it on like, like a video or something. But I was like, I found myself just like, this is so, so boring. And especially with that game on Friday, it was just like you looked at some of the players that were on the bench for England and you just thought, well, why don't you give these players a go? When, you, when I saw when I saw five at the back and Jordan Henson starting midfield, I was just like, yep, that's, uh, that's kind of cue to just like not take any real interest in this game whatsoever. But, you know, there's always plenty to talk about, isn't there? I mean, how, there's always something going on. How is Henderson still getting in the team? Like, what is going on? You know? It's, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. Like, I know we've kind of, like, it's one of those things where I think, like, when he first moved to Saudi and then the first international break, we were all kind of saying it like, oh, come on, like, really? And now it's got to the point, like, two more international breaks down the line and we're still having the same conversation. And the thing is, I think with Henderson is like, going back to, like, if you think about the World Cup last year, he was actually really important for England. Mm. And it's kind of that, that's what makes it a shame about kind of what he's done because I genuinely think if he was still playing in the Premier League, I think he, there, was a, there is an argument to say he still should be in there because I think, you know, for me, like what he's done in terms of, you know, he's essentially abandoned a community that he, I think, was kind of painted himself as very much an, an ally for, in my opinion. I know not everyone kind of feels the same, but like he, he, for me, has done that. And I think the biggest shame of it is the fact that he's, like he was he was a valuable member of that squad and i think you saw it with the australia game where like there was a large percentage of that crowd booing him and it's like people have every right to express their opinion mm. i don't even think that was to do with him being in the squad i do think that was about like all of the stuff outside of it but i don't i don't know i really don't know how he's still there like I, the thing is i don't like you think about the crowds that he's playing to and stuff like that in there there's no real interest in, in this Saudi league for me like it, that might change in the next few years but like you can't tell me that the level of football in that league although you might have some superstars is any better than like the lower half of the Premier League or like the championship like it's just there's so many younger players who kind of deserve that opportunity and he's just kind of wasted. we've got enough leaders in that team to be all right without Jordan Henderson as well I don't like, I don't particularly like the lad but you think about somebody like Conor Gallagher you know he, he must yeah. be just livid you know, about yeah, this know. sort of situation. But yeah, I think what's particularly disappointing about the whole, just, you know, it is international breaks. We will just stay on this for for the moment. The thing that is disappointing about the, the Henderson saga, if you like, is the likes of Southgate, the likes of more, say, established mainstream kind of journos and the like, making out that people booing him are, are somehow the disgrace. You know, it was, yeah. it was like they're disappointing for... 
for doing this to a guy who's given his all to England and everything. As you quite rightly say, people are allowed to have their opinion on the matter. People are allowed to have their opinion on the fact that Jordan Henderson is a guy who, as you say, has always kind of posted himself as an ally, who has put himself forward as somebody who will speak out on issues, if you like. Um, and then to go and join Saudi Arabia, you know, the league in Saudi Arabia, given the, yeah. you know, let's say the the domestic treatment of people in of an LGBTQ plus uh, minority are, are <laughs> you know, look, we don't need to yeah, go into treat- this too deeply, but it's just, it's it's obvious why this is going to happen. So don't don't be disingenuous and make out like people are somehow the baddies for for, for voicing their opinion on that. That's what fans do, you know. It's, and I, I, it's a wider conversation, isn't it, about booing? We've had these conversations with like regard to Sanchez, with regard to Emerson yeah. Royale, and everything like that. Like fans, this is their their place to have their voice. When do we boo? When do we not? Should they at all? Um, and I just think you know. Crowds are going to do that, aren't they? They're going to do that, and I don't think it's a place. I, I don't know. I'm just really, I'm really disappointed with with Gareth Southgate. To be honest, the way he's handled that whole thing. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. Again, especially as someone like he's kind of done the same thing as Henderson in the sense that he was always kind of painting himself as like the modern kind of like yeah. like liberal kind of England manager. Just like you know, this isn't, and that's what's so disappointing. Like you said, I think that's the right word because he made an England team that you could actually be really proud of in the sense that like if you're if you're from like a ethnic minority background in this country you kind of look at you look at the England team and you see like all of these players that have come through from maybe like areas that we haven't really seen before like kind of like you see I don't know it's just such a good representation of what this kind of country is for a large part and I think what he's kind of done with back in Henderson has kind of just taken that back like 10 years and it's just really really fun. I get that I get that you're going to back your players but he had an easy option and he's kind of made it even more difficult for himself by doing that and it's just I, I don't know it's, like I said he's he that's what's disappointing it's just that he he brought he's brought this country in terms in a footballing sense you know so far forward into the future and kind of then just regressed it like 10 years back with doing this which is a shame but and I think as well like it's not helped in the sense that like as sad as it is this wouldn't be anywhere near an is- anywhere near as much of an issue if the footballing wasn't so like football wasn't so turgid over the last few like few mm-hmm. months which is sad to say like it shouldn't be that way like these issues exist in society and it's an everyday problem for everyday people in like the LGBTQ plus community as you rightly say but if the sad reality is that in football sometimes that's what comes first and people just care about that so that's what makes it even that's what kind of amplifies the situation even more is it's just like it's just been so since the world cup it's just been so painful to watch england and yeah it, it, the thing is in a tournament you don't mind it so much because you can kind of grit your teeth and be like well you just, you got to get through the games haven't you you kind of want to you're there to win and you're there to you know you know not not many teams get to the final of a world cup and win it maybe with the exception of france a few years ago by playing like this ultra like attacking exciting football it it doesn't really tend to happen like i think of like the spain side that won it in 2010 and the even the germany side that won it in 2014 or like some of the sides that have won the euros like it's not always going to be like really attacking kind of heavy metal football even argentina um, were pretty pragmatic by their usual oh, standards yeah, yeah. in this world exactly Cup. yeah exactly so it's like it's you know it's it's yeah it's a tricky one but i just think it's just not it's been amplified even more by the fact that it's just been so boring to watch England. That game on Friday was just like, 
another level. And the, the worst thing was, like the turn, the quick turnaround of games. We're playing again tonight. It's just like, yeah. does anybody really, anybody care? Like, well, it'll be interesting to see the team he actually puts out. Whether now that we've basically confirmed as pot one which was the objective and the target according to all the players that will come out after the game and say you know winning was the important thing on the night it's just like it's just oh it's so, and even I, I talked about this a while ago but like that game wouldn't have felt anywhere near as flat on friday if it wasn't at wembley i think like i think wembley has a big part in this mm. like there are so many games where you think think about that australia game like last month or whenever it was that game could easily be like somewhere else like it could easily be like they used to when they were building Wembley and they kind of used to tour around the country that could be somewhere else and you get to sit, you get to go to a portion of the country that don't get to watch England live in the flesh very often they're all a bit more up for it it's like a Friday night exactly slap it Those, in the Midlands do you know what I mean give exactly, everyone a chance like, to go and see it yeah Villa Park or like even like back up to like because I know the women played like Sunderland fairly recently against Scotland it's like even like someone like Sunderland yeah. Stadium of Lights a good ground like go there it's just massive like, as well isn't it Still, exactly so. it's just yeah it's just it's just very very flat at the moment but the thing is there's weirdly like a lot of excitement and a lot of hope around the euros next year which i kind of feel as well and i think you always like kind of buy into a bit more near the time but it's a weird strange situation with england at the moment well this is what i was going to ask you to sort of segue into spurs do you actually i mean do you actually care really in the pits of your soul about the england football team compared <laughs> with spurs because I, I think I think back to myself. I think after the, because I do get into a, to 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 the international football, like you say, around the time of tournaments and the lead up to it. World Cup summers are amazing. I still feel like last year we were we were robbed of a World Cup, really having it in winter. But you know that's yeah. that's been and gone. Having a big sort of international tournament in the summer, it is exciting. Everybody out, everybody embracing the kind of the the spirit of the whole thing so i i would be i'd be lying if i said i don't kind of get into it more however when england lost the euros when they lost the euros to italy at wembley i was gutted for that evening and then the next day i i honestly i was like okay well fine that's all right whereas i still (laughs) i still don't even think i'm over the champions league final from spurs you know i haven't watched it back i I, I can't watch it back no and i don't think i'll ever get over it ever no no, neither. I, I'm the same as you, really. I kind of... It's a weird one with England because when I was growing up, that's kind of your first... Like, as a kid, I, I've been a Spurs fan since I was, like, six years old. My stepdad came in um, to start taking me to Spurs. He, like, that's how I got into it and I fell in love with it straight away. But, like, you're... Because, like, your heroes a lot of the time growing up are, like, come... Especially in that era, like, growing up. Like, I'm 25, so, like, that age... Like, that kind of time for me would have been the so, so-called golden generation of England. And my hero as a kid was David Beckham. So, like, I mm. I enjoyed watching England when I was a kid and I loved the tournament. So I remember being gutted when we went out um, against Portugal in, in the 2006 World Cup. But as you kind of get older and it kind of, I guess, goes alongside the fact that England after that really regressed and the 2010 World Cup was a bit of a shambles and then the few tournaments after that. But, like... I only really started properly caring about England again when there was an influx of the Spurs team into the England squad around like that Pochettino kind of uh, golden exactly. era when we had when we had about like five or six players because it felt like a lot of the time you were watching Spurs and I think there's always like a bit of a I mean, synergy is the wrong word but there's always been like a bit of a kind of concurrent um, I guess like Spursiness to England in the sense that like you get we've there's so many times we've come so far and there's always this promise and we kind of maybe under deliver so it's kind of felt like the narrative of Spurs in England has always kind of like flowed alongside each other through my life absolutely yeah, 100%. Spurs. and I think 
I'm like you as well. Like when the tournament when the tournaments come around, and like I said, the last like what are we now? Twenty twenty three since like two thousand and fifteen around that time. Since Southgate came in and kind of injected a bit more life into England, and like I said, when we had a really young team full of Spurs players, I re- I started really enjoying watching England again for a, a time that I hadn't enjoyed it previously and the world cup in 2018 was brilliant because you had a spurs team essentially at the core of that you went through the whole team yeah. and you had trippier you know uh, i think walker had actually moved on by that point yeah trippier delhi um dyer. harry kane dyer obviously and they all had big moments in the tournament yeah. as well uh, kane got the golden boot trippier against croatia dyer the penalty against colombia delhi in the world cup quarter final kane but against like, tunisia as well that first game when it looked like it was going to be same old england you know, yeah then- just come out just came out like just actually absolutely like kind of clutched it up and like people will talk about the hat trick against Panama but like <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you know you, you, if you know the golden boot is golden boot at the end of the day that's what I'll say until uh Kane's left in the summer and all of his goals absolutely mean nothing but uh he like he um yeah no that that that's that's kind of when I started actually really enjoying England again and I was like with the with the Euros in 2020 2021 I like I, like you. I was gutted when we lost that, but also like straight afterwards, I remember we went to watch it with my mates in um, in a place in Tottenham Hale. I can't remember what it's called. It was like they. It was like uh, it's a, near like where the drum sheds and stuff is now. It's yeah. like I think it was Costa del Tottenham. They turned it into like this big world uh, Euros like watch along thing for like, the whole thing. You could book tables and all that, and it was a brilliant atmosphere. Like absolutely loved it. The day was class. Got to the game like England going up within. A minute, one new up within a minute, like absolute carnage in there, and it was so fun because you like, I've one of my best mates is a Spurs fan. We go to Spurs together, but like, aside from that, my friend group is kind of all split between like different um, fan bases. So it's kind of nice in a sense to kind of all come together and actually, that's what's good about the tournaments is that you all kind of come together and all of that kind of gets put aside. So it was just good to kind of, I see it more as like a thing of like spending time with your mates and kind of creating those memories really. And after the game, I was just a bit like, I was standing on the, like the platform and train ready to go home. And I was just like, you know what? We've had a good run, haven't we? Like that was class. Like we were unlucky, lost on penalties, exactly. bit of a lottery, move on. And then also I think with that, like the, the come down of that and like the stuff that happened to Saka, uh, Sancho and Rashford kind of made that a little bit easier to get over because you all mm. of a sudden felt kind of the shame of that as opposed to like all of the all of a sudden like the morning after all of the football kind of became like secondary um which kind of you know made the tournament oh, it's gonna sound bad but like not not easy to get over but like all of a sudden your focus was on something else that was far more important because because the point so, sort of became it's not about me anymore oh i'm sad we lost a football match but there's some lads out there that are getting racially abused right so you, yeah having like the worst night of their lives yeah. added on top of that like you know it's just yeah, exactly. And then, but that's kind of my like. Also, it's just weird now watching England without like watching Harry Kane. Like I've I got over the Kane thing quite quickly. I know I said earlier about his goals meaning nothing, but that you know that's just a cheap joke. But like with Kane, it's like it genuinely is quite nice to see him just doing really well and like. Yeah, that's how I feel. You know, like I, I mean, just, his, his England goals. I think it was Danny Kelly said it on the View from the Lone podcast the other day. I think he he said he knew he was over the Harry Kane thing because he saw him score for England and was like, meh. You know, just didn't yeah. really care. Whereas previously, even kind of more from a Spurs perspective, really, you were watching Kane thinking, "Don't embarrass yourself! Don't don't embarrass yourself in yeah. front of everyone." Now you're playing. It's for like England. watching like your son play. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that on the sidelines, going, "Oh God!" Like this, you're so emotionally invested because of but the way. I, I don't know if you know what I mean, through. though. Like the the funny thing is now, and I, I know everyone's getting very angry about 
the fact that everybody's suddenly realising Harry Kane's a great player because he's, he's banging them in for Bayern Munich. The, the thing is, is because he's not playing for Spurs anymore, I don't almost have that fear still. And it, it, it still followed him the whole way to the end of his career at Tottenham, which is maybe one day the goals are just going to dry up. When is, when is, yeah. this, it sounds ludicrous to say after nearly a decade of him just consistently banging in so many goals. There's still that little nagging feeling in the back of your head like, ah, he's going to give ammo to those people that's, you know, that have been saying all this time he's just a bit of a fraud. He's not actually that good. Now he's yeah. left us and he's banging in all these goals for Bayern Munich. I have no fear about it because it's like, yeah, of course he is. It's Harry Kane. Like, it's what he it's does. Inevitable. It's just inevitable, isn't it? And like, like you say, you've got these weird people, whether it's like mainly like Arsenal fans that have kind of kept these receipts almost from like 2015 where it's like, oh yeah, it's just a one season wonder. They, like you said, the goals will dry up eventually. It's just like, nah. Like he is just, he is, he is inevitable and he is, he is, and he has been the best striker in the world for me since that since that season, that last season at White Hart Lane, when I think he scored a bunch of goals the year before and obviously the year before that, but like he just went to another level that year. I think that was the year he kind of became like a man, I think, mm-hmm. in football terms. Something changed about Kane. Like, I don't know what it was. He just kind of grew up, I think, that season a little bit. And he was just like some of the goals that he used to score. And that's the thing about the England thing. It's like so true about what you said about Danny Kelly. Is like the although I would kind of say that when I saw it was the Italy game in the last uh, international break when he scored that second goal uh, on the counter attack with Bellingham. Um, it was a ludicrous goal was it, as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh no, sorry. The Rashford one was where Bellingham set it up, wasn't it? But the Kane goal where like, it, I've seen him score that goal so many times for Tottenham and the finish from outside the box. And I kind of like, almost found myself like nearly celebrating it as if it was like a year ago and he was still playing for Spurs because I was just like, it was such a good goal. And you're kind of just like, it's that feeling that we've had for so long as a Spurs fan with Kane there, of just like constantly sticking two fingers up to like rival fans who just don't rate him. And it's just like, you're just seeing that now. That goal just shows you everything that he has as a striker, like winning the ball on the halfway line, kind of rolling his defender, going through one-on-one. People say he's got like no pace. It's just like, football isn't like FIFA. It's just like, you like hate that so much. It's like, oh, well, he's slow. It's like, well, he's not, he's not slow. He's not like Haaland or Mbappe quick, but it's not played, football's not played like that. You know, it's like, I've always raged against this in that his acceleration isn't that quick. If we're talking about video game terms, right? His acceleration's not mm. quick, but when he does hit top pace, he's not actually that slow, like you say. No, he's not. He's not. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, that that goal against Italy was just like, it was such, such a satisfying that game was quite satisfying in a weird way as well, because like taking it away from Tottenham, like when you're watching someone like Bellingham just absolutely run the game and kind of almost like have the world at his feet, and it was kind of a bit like how then bring it back to Spurs, how we kind of felt about like Delhi, and I know obviously there's been a lot of talk about Delhi recently um, for various reasons, but like it's just that if if we didn't have <laughs> if that England team didn't have Bellingham, it would be it would be even more turgid than it is now mm. because he is just an absolute superstar and it's kind of yeah let's it's almost just like kind of going back to like what your question about like how do you feel about England and kind of in that sense that like I'd started really falling back in love with England again when we had these young Spurs players I just see so much of like Delhi in in Bellingham although Bellingham has got I think a much higher scene and will kind of go on to be like this global superstar um but that could have been Delhi and that's what's really sad I think um yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one with England, for sure. It, it is funny. It is funny. Um, I guess we should probably talk about Spurs now. Um, yes. 
Because the international break, it, the, the biggest fear of the international break really is one of your top players getting injured. We know that. It's unfortunate to say that Hummin Son has gone down after a late challenge in South Korea's World Cup qualifier against Singapore. There has been a bit of footage of him walking around celebrating at the end of the game, but you know how what that means or not, I, I don't really know. Madison has played half a season with a supposed foot injury, and we've seen how that's ended up. I mean, what do, what do we do if Sonny's out, Ben? Mate, like what 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 do we do? That is that's a catastrophe, right? If he if he is going to miss any sort of length of time while we've got the injuries that we do. Yeah, if there wasn't a nail in the coffin already with uh, the Madison news on top of Van der Ven like a couple of weeks ago, this would just be like an absolute disaster because there's no real like, you know, we've had so many conversations as a fan base of like, oh, how do we replace Madison? How do we replace Van der Ven? It's like, yeah, but how do you replace Sonny, the guy that scored, what's it, eight goals in the league this season, one of the top scorers in the league, looks back to like his lethal best. And I think you, I think you said it there with Madison. Sonny worries me because although I think like, I don't know whether this is just the grass half full approach, but although I think he'll be fine uh, for Aston Villa and I think he'll get through that second game against Korea and I do believe him when he comes out and says, oh, no, 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 I'm all right, I'm all right, that kind of thing. But it really worries me with Son because it just feels a bit like Madison where it just feels like you're one game away now from an injury. Because I remember, I think it was a North London derby where obviously Sonny was on fire in that game, scored a brace. But like I remember constantly watching him and just looking at him and like he was always stopping him and Madison were like always stopping to just like restrap things like they would play it was almost like they were playing through quite a lot of pain and we we've talked about that throughout the season with Sonny about he's kind of picked up little knocks here and there he's like I've been I'm okay to play the next game and you can tell that like he just cares so much about his country and about and about Spurs and I think he just wants to get through it so I think there's an element of that in the sense that he's almost just kind of smiling through the pain if you like and also you know he's 30 how old is Sonny now 31 31, like he's like he's not he's not getting any younger and it's like he might be 30 because remember there's the I think in South Korea people are one when they're born one year younger yeah Yeah. I know yeah that's mad but um he yeah so he he's getting to a point now in his career where it's like these injuries we've been quite lucky with Sonny like other than we've had a few bizarre injuries with Son kind of here and there I remember when he broke his arm against Aston Villa and he still played like the 90 minutes and We've had a few weird, and like with his, um, when he like fractured his cheekbone, was it last year for uh, for Spurs, and then played in the World Cup for South Korea when he wore the mask, and you could tell how much that was, was that in Europe so, that happened to him, wasn't it? I it think was Marseille, yeah, it was that yeah, Marseille game, that blue yeah, 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 and um, I remember so seeing the, the the sort of the images on TV of half his face just sort of oh, inflated, gosh, yeah, that, you know, like the that, elephant man. Yeah, I remember being at a game uh, that season. Um, I think it was like one of the first games back after the World Cup. And I remember him just playing with the mask. And I remember he was getting so frustrated. I think, weirdly, I think it was actually Aston Villa. I think it was that game after the World Cup in the new year where we lost at home to them. So hopefully that's not an omen for next week, but or this week rather. But he actually got the mask and just like threw it off and threw yeah. it to the side of the pitch. And like the, um, I think it was like in front of the South Stand or something or in front of like... I can't remember, but all the fans kind of got up and like roared behind him because you could see how much it was getting him down. So you can kind of sense with Sonny, there's always this, he's just got this attitude of just like, I want to just be the best and I want to give like absolutely everything. And I, that does worry me because it's like, you just feel like now, not to be pessimistic, but you just feel like we're one game away now from him just getting a knock that he's not going to recover from for like another couple, like a couple of months. But 
yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's all right and he gets through that game. What what, what do we do right now with Richarlison? Is it, I guess it's just Feliz. You have to just start up front, right? Yeah, I think I think so because there is literally no, like you said, there's no other option. You could look at some of the youngsters. You've got Jamie Donnelly, who's been on fire for um, Spurs under 21s and England under 19s. But again, like, scored a late winner, didn't he, the other day? He did. Yeah, he scored in both. He scored in both the game. I think he scored a brace in the first one, then scored like a last minute winner off the bench in the second one, just casually coming on and saving England. Like he's just. I've watched quite a bit of the under twenty ones this year, and he is just like an, yeah, he is, he's got it. I think he he really has got it. So it's like, do you chuck him in and um, kind of throw him into the fire? But like again, he's not really a number nine. Like he's a bit like how Kane was when Kane first broke through, um, in the sense that, and also kind of Kane's kind of career went full circle in that aspect. Like yeah. a lot of people talk about Kane in the academy, like he was a number ten and. He scored a lot of goals from just behind the striker, almost like that. He's had Sheringham comparisons throughout his career, but that's kind of how he started. And then he obviously morphed into this amazing striker. So maybe Donnelly could do the same, but it would be, I think it would have to be Valiz because, or do you play Johnson down the middle? But then again, you're not really getting the best out of him, I don't think. He didn't really play there that much for Forrest, although he he could maybe do it. But I think it's, you're missing that kind of like focal point. And Brennan Johnson's not that as good as Brennan Johnson is for me, but like it'd have to be Valiz, I think. And you got what Mikey Moore in the in the level below Donnelly as well, haven't you? Who's another like, yeah. highly highly rated talent as well, isn't he? He's he's so exciting. He's just like because he's this season he's sort of he, his main position is like number ten, sort of floating out to the wings, mainly on the left, a bit like sort of a bit like Madison really kind of likes to play in those half spaces on the left hand side, but further up the pitch, he's more of like a goal scorer. Um, but now, like for the under 18s, he's been playing um, actually more as like an actual number nine, and he's just been he's on fire. He's he. It was bizarre to me like how he wasn't in the England under 17 World Cup squad. I couldn't really quite get my head around that. But I mean, yeah, strange one. But he, I think someone like him, that it, like that feels too soon. Even Donnelly feels a little bit too soon. But sometimes, you know, we were in that situation with Kane, weren't we? Mm. Where it was like. Soldado and Adebayor it's just like this is not working and sometimes you just have to try something and also well, let's be honest with I most think, of those lads wasn't it Mason, Bentaleb even yeah, Andrus Townsend to a degree yeah it came at a point where it's like well we don't really have any other options so you're going to get your chance and it feels like I said this in the um, in the run up to the Wolves game and obviously we're in the same situation now in terms of injuries maybe with an addition of Sonny but hopefully not but like our squad was in the same place and it was almost like what I think this kind of one of the things I think Postacoglu does so well is that he just immediately takes the pressure off situations. And I think the fact that, like, in the lead up to that Wolves game, obviously we had a terrible week in the sense of the Chelsea result and then obviously the injuries to Madison and Van der Ven. He does such a good job of just kind of like scaling everything back, calming everyone down. And I think he creates such a good environment because uh, he kind of calls the temperament of the fan base and this kind of creates like a really good environment for someone. Uh, one of these youngsters to actually go in because obviously there was a lot of talk about Ashley Phillips in the lead up to the Wolves game. Mm. I think that's why, like as a Spurs fan, you'd be, you know, because we because we've got such a good record of um, bringing through, well, maybe not such a good record, but like we kind of got good pedigree for like bringing through young players and kind of like we always really get behind them. Like you look, Mason's still at the club now. Um, obviously, Bentaleb didn't quite work out, but there was a lot of hype and promise around him at the time. And obviously, Harry Kane is the main example, but like these players are always like really well thought of and always really well looked after by the fan base. I think we do quite a good job of almost like creating this barrier and shield around them and sort of protecting them. And I think um, 
our fans will always get behind players that come like any other you know we're not alone in that aspect but like because we've had players that have kind of come through and done it recently I think and also like Postacoglu is the perfect manager for that in that kind of environment because of the fact that he empowers these young players and kind of takes all of the responsibility so if it was to be someone like Veliz even who is still like very young or like a Donnelly or someone who wants to come in and fill that void in an attacking sense whether it's to replace Madison or God forbid if Son was to be out in the absence of Richarlison then I think it would be it might not work but like it, you don't like I'd feel far more comfortable about trying now than if it was another manager well here's on that I'll jump ahead to this question because it, it's relevant basically um yep. from at ec Sheesby, um who says if we see another team selection of hoybier dyer and davis does that taint postacoglu's giving it a go perception he's been great so far in making us believe and vibes fc etc but if we see that trident again on sunday could it dampen the fans confidence in big Ange? it's quite yeah, an interesting that- question it is quite an interesting question because we it does feel like we're at a real crossroads here because I I I'll I'll be brutally honest you know watching the uh, God who was it we even lost to the Wolves watching the Wolves yeah. game the other day and as I was saying to Phil on the pod after that like this just feels like Groundhog Day it felt like Groundhog Day all over again we've seen I I, I personally I I often feel that the criticism of especially Ben Davis is massively overstated but Me too. even of Dyer I find it quite overstated I'm probably one of the <laughs> the big kind of critics critics there you go that's what I was looking for of Pierre Mahoybia so I, I can't really sort of say anything about that but you know they're all decent enough players but with those guys, it, it, it is a bit stale now, right? And it did feel like watching that Wolves game again. It's like, I don't, I don't want to see this anymore. I, I'm, no. I'm tired of seeing this. So yeah, it, you can understand why there is this careful balance to be had of, let's let's take a player like Eric Dyer. Let's, let's take Dyer, precisely Eric Dyer. There's a lot of talk that he's going to go in January, right? That Jose Mourinho is desperate to sign him. There's even some talk that... Harry Kane's putting in a word at Bayern Munich, thinks he'll he'll work out well there. It feels like Eric Dyer's going to go. feels like the club shouldn't probably stop him from getting a move elsewhere. So if 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 that's the case, if, if we're readying ourselves to, to lose him, why is he starting ahead of Ashley Phillips now? Even if Ashley Phillips is young, he's maybe not quite there yet. Surely we have more to gain from giving him more exposure to, to first-team football. We signed him for a, a fair bit of money. He's, I think he's made some senior appearances already at Blackburn. So he's played men's football. He he knows what it takes to a degree, albeit he has played that in the championship. Still a tough league to go and play in. And there's plenty of players who go and you know make their bones in the championship and then start playing in the Premier League. Like, think about somebody like Conor Gallagher. Think about somebody like Harvey Elliott or whatever, who's who's doing well now. Um, yeah. Sooner or later, we do just have to take that that opportunity, right? And this, like as we were sort of saying prior to the question, which I, you know, I did think was relevant at, uh, to to bring up at this point, it does feel like we're at that crossroads again now, where it's like, look, we can't keep doing this dance with Dyer and Davis and everyone. Let's just get some new blood in and see what happens because what's been so key to this this season feeling so fresh and everybody being on this Ange train as as we're sort of calling it now 
is that it has felt new. It has felt like it's something different. And I think that's what we've wanted. We, I, I honestly think most Spurs fans would rather see us finish sixth or seventh this year, or even lower, knowing that we're bringing in new talent, giving them opportunities, seeing what they can do versus squeaking into fifth place by you know playing a numbers game with the likes of Dyer and Davis maybe that's a bit naive but it, you know fifth place is Champions League football now but I, I just feel like the 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 Tottenham zeitgeist right now is they want something new they want something fresh and I don't think people are going to want to sacrifice that for a, a better points finish at the end of the, the end of the season if it's if it feels like it's short-sighted which I think we're at the place now where sticking with the likes of Dyer and Davis probably would be quite... And again, I, I put Ben Davis at the sh- at the thin end of the wedge on that because I do think he has a big part to play still um, as a squad player. But, yeah, me too. Um, I mean, what, I mean what, what do you make of Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I think with I think it's really interesting. I think one of my fir- one of the first text messages I had after the Wolves game was from a mate who's an Arsenal fan who wanted to stick the boot in, saying, "Oh, thoughts on Ange Postecoglou giving it a go with uh, three defensive midfielders in that midfield." And obviously, this kind of takes out Dyer and Davis. But it was just like it really irritated me because it was just like he's still figuring it out. Mm. You know, he's he he's earned the right to kind of really figure this period out and like find that right balance in midfield and also in in defense. And I think. I think it's really interesting about Dyer because I'm I'm completely on the same page with you as Dyer and Davis. I think that Ben Davis especially, some of the stick that he comes in for, I think he he just becomes a bit of a full guy and grouped together with a few other players because he's been here a long time. But Ben Davis, if it wasn't for him on Saturday against Wolves, it could have been more. Like he was very very accomplished in that in that uh, centre back position, which you know he's not really used to playing a, as a centre back in a back four. Um, but I actually think if you're going to, and I'm all for bringing through one of the youngsters to play in that position instead of Dyer. I think Dyer's earned the right because I think he's been here long enough and he's a good pro and, you know, he is an experienced head and he did really well when he came on against Chelsea and all that. But we're coming up to a period now where it's almost like some of these games, you essentially, you look at City away from as as an example, you're kind of writing it off already maybe as a Spurs fan, which is a shame because even though you thought we might lose if we went there with a full-strength team... I was really excited to see yeah. the fact that we, I genuinely believe we could have gone toe-to-toe with them. And if we'd lost, we would have lost. That's fine. We're, we're good at taking our medicine as Spurs fans. That's like absolutely fine. But like, it's going to feel a lot worse if we go there with Dyer and Davis at the back. And again, like, like you said, I kind of grouped Davis in with that, although I don't think he's really much of a problem. Um, it's going to feel a lot worse. But I think 
I would be up for giving Ashley Phillips or even Alfie Dorrington a go, who's been playing really well for Spurs under twenty ones. I actually think potentially he might be, he might have that higher ceiling. But I think Ashley Phillips almost just edges it now because of, like you said, he has actually played, although limited minutes. I think he's played eight games for Blackburn, so he's had a taste of senior football, and that that is important. That matters because. Although Alfie Dorrington might look like the better centre-back and look really good in the under-21s, better than Ashley Phillips, in my opinion. But again, that differs depending on who you speak to. Phillips just has the edge of having that kind of... the experience of the physicality of the league. And obviously the Premier League is a step up from the Championship. But like even just that match-day experience, he's had that. So I think I would be very much up for bringing Phillips in. But I don't... I think you'd be... I think you just have to be conscious of the fact that you, you are going to need some experience alongside him and I think Ben Davis you know he is captain Wales he has played at a lot of tournaments for them he's played in the Champions League a hell of a lot for Tottenham he's always been someone I think people look at this squad sometimes and think oh there's players that have been here too long but sometimes there is a reason why players stick around at a club for a long time because they're dependable and I think Ben Davis is the epitome of that just like you know in kind of air quotes like good pro do you know what I mean mm. like the kind of player that people talk about as like oh he's really good to have around the dressing room and I think Ben Davis has kind of been shoehorned around so many different positions for Tottenham, a bit like Dyer. You know, he's played on the left side of a back three, which I think he's probably is where he's, he is at his most comfortable because he does that for Wales and he did that really well for Conte, I thought, as well. Um, and I think you are going to need, like, I know Ben Davis might not, uh, in terms of like, like, he might not overtly kind of express the same leadership qualities as someone like a Dyer, maybe on paper. I think he would actually be a really good influence to have alongside someone like a Phillips or a Dorrington if they were to come in. And like like you said, I think if we go in, I think we just need like a little bit of just like a shot in the arm, like a little bit of an injection of something fresh. And Postacoglu deserves, like I said, he's already earned so much credit in the bank that he deserves this whole kind of period up until Madison and Van der Ven come back to tinker with things, figure things out, whether it's bringing in one of the youngsters, whether it's... You know, in the midfield, whether you play La Celso or you play uh, Bentoncourt, you play Hill there, maybe whoever it is, like he deserves that kind of time to figure it out. But I think, like you said, I do think we kind of at this stage we do want to see something fresh, and I think Spurs fans would take that backward step of like falling outside of the top four, which is where we are now, um, and almost sacrificing that just to kind of have a go with a few things because you're never going to learn about these young players if you don't, you don't you don't play them you know you're not going to see what they're about like we you know we saw it with Pochettino where in some instances I think there was a reluctance to loan out players a lot of time which I thought was a bit strange because you need that experience of football but also he was very good at bringing some of these players through and giving them their opportunity if he's seen enough and I think Postacoglu has talked about like he's name checked um, Jamie Donnelly I know kind of moving away from the centre-back thing a bit there but like Jamie Donnelly and Alfie Dorrington on a number of occasions and obviously brought them into matchday squads against Wolves all three of them were on the bench like Donnelly Dorrington and Phillips and then Donnelly was on the bench against Liverpool so like he's not afraid to show that he will give them the opportunity if he needs to so I think like you said I think we just need a little bit of something going into that Villa game because I think I think we've got to be careful of drifting towards that game with a mentality of like oh god like it's a bit like last season you're kind of fearing the worst but like we should still on our day like we've with the players that even we've got now like we're still more than capable of going and getting a result and beating them at home their away record isn't that great I do worry about that game like it is one in this mm. kind of run that is concerning 
but I think we just maybe need that little bit of an injection of something exciting going into that game, whether it's one of the youngsters to really kind of get behind and galvanise that team and kind of, you know, like I said before, we as a fan base, I think we're really good at making young players feel welcome and comfortable and like they're a part of the fabric of the club, especially if they've come through the academy. So I think I think you're right. I think we could do with just whether whether it's against Villa or whether it's against you're chucking them in at the deep end against City or whether it's in that kind of maybe slightly more not easy but slightly more um, favouring run into Christmas. Although the volume of games is so high, um, maybe that's the time to do it. But I think I think it will come. I think we might see Ashley Phillips start in one of the upcoming games or or, or someone else who kind of just freshens things up a little bit. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. It'll be very interesting. We've had a question here from at Spurs Simpsons, um, who says, "Would Valise benefit from a loan in January if Spurs can get in significant cover?" I mean, there has been some talk, there've been some rumours the past few days that Valise is set to be loaned out to Bologna in January. Does this seem like a, a strange move to you at the moment, Ben, or do you think it probably could be beneficial for him to get more first-team minutes? I mean, I th- my biggest problem is as we've discussed already, if Sonny goes, Richarlison's already out, what do we do? But, uh, I mean, we are heavily linked to Antonio Nusa, so we can talk about that in a minute. In a minute. But on the Villiers point, I mean, do you, in isolation, I guess it does, to answer Spurs Simpson's question, it feels like a good idea. But in the wider picture of what Spurs need right now, it's it's probably something we, we, we'd have to avoid, wouldn't it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so, because... The only thing I would say, though, is that we've obviously been linked quite a lot with that um, Santiago Jimenez at Feyenoord as well. So if Tottenham are looking at bringing in another striker in January, then I think the Valiz loan would make sense. But if we aren't to do that, even if we bolster our attacking options in terms of someone like a Noosa or someone like a Samuel Ling Jr. at Juventus or someone else who can play, kind of play across that front line, but maybe more so out wide, then I think you kind of have to hold on to him. I think Valiz... One way or another, I think Villiers will end up going out on loan at some point soon, mm. uh, whether it's in the summer or whether it's in January. But I think Spurs would be very naive to do that if we didn't look at bringing someone else in. Because, you know, again, with Villiers, limited minutes, but he's shown that he's willing and trusts him to, like... I, I'll be honest, like, I didn't think... I didn't think we'd see Villiers until next year. I, that was kind of the word that was coming out of the club. And again, I don't know whether that was kind of p- to put this protective bubble around him in the meantime and not put too much pressure on him but that I was kind of unexpected to see him maybe come on against Luton and come on against Liverpool as well like I didn't think we'd see him until next year I thought we'd kind of give him the opportunity to settle in in a new country at such a young age and all that but um, yeah I think unless they've got someone lined up they definitely want to bring in and whether that's Jimenez or whoever then I think it would be wise to keep him at the club because also you can then because they've chucked him in a few times in the under twenty ones as well. Like I know it's not men's football, but he's still developing and nurturing his game there. It's proved well for like some of the other players that have come through the academy. So unless we've got someone, I think he would. In terms of like personally, like if you take all the context out of it, he would definitely benefit from that. I think going to the Italian league is kind of like a physical, robust striker that he seems to be. I think that that is a move in isolation that I think would really benefit him. But it's more just the timing of it that until we get to January, until we know who sort of the players that we're going to look at bringing in. I think it's I think it's one that maybe we should just maybe park for now in terms of if they are thinking about doing it. But it'll be yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Do you uh, do you know much about Noosa at all? Because he he does people seem to be buzzing about him on Twitter, and I think sometimes you need to separate the uh, the kind of the, the 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 lusting after a shiny new thing 
um, and yeah. whether or not someone's actually good. But it does seem like there's a bit more substance to him just from when you kind of poke, when you go down the rabbit holes of him, people do seem to think he's actually very, very good. Yeah, it feels like it's one of those things where if we don't it's one of those things where like if we don't get him someone else will it feels like that with noosa like i don't know a hell of a lot about him i've seen him like a few times but like again it's just like the same as probably you or like a bunch of other spurs fans it's just like it's just through clips and Mm. compilations and stuff like that and of course he looked really really exciting um but we all thought that about um and he might still come good and he might still move but like we were all we were all kind of in the same position about like Gift Auburn in the summer, yeah. and it was like we all thought this was going to be like the answer, and he's this kid that's going to come in and absolutely tear things up. And Noose is only eighteen, I think, so he's still got a long way to go. But it does feel like one of those ones where it it might be it's not like a signing for now. It'd be like a even though there's so much hype around him, and it feels like nowadays there's so much pressure to like if you buy a young player, even if they've got huge potential and they're doing things like he's obviously playing in Europe for Bruges and stuff like that it's like it, there's this expectation i think from a fan base i feel like it's kind of changed in the last like five or ten years that like if he if he comes in it's like well he's got to play like he's got to like he's going to come in and make a difference it's like he's only 18 it's like sometimes you just got to give him a little bit of time to adjust and you know there's no he could come and be great he could come and be underwhelming but it on paper it looks like a really exciting one and like you know everyone's got the same sort of like similar accounts that they follow on twitter that like know far more about the game than like the average fan and all of those kind of like tactico kind of accounts all think that it'd be a really really exciting signing so you know they've been right before so hopefully they're right again so i'd like to think that he'd be someone that we are looking at because again it feels like a lot of other clubs are he feels like he's on the radar of pretty much all of the top clubs in in europe so yeah it'd be a bit of a coup i think if spurs pulled it off um, but yeah, it remains to be seen. Really, does invert the wing like him? I've got, I've got to say, like this. Inver- think- <laughs> he started off as a bit of a sort of, for me, a bit of a joke, and now I can't get enough of his tweets. It might just be yeah. because it's it's fan fiction about Spurs being so good and him exactly, not being yeah. a Spurs fan. But yeah, you know, can't get enough of yeah. him. Yeah, I'm saying he's put out a tweet the other day. I think it was about like, oh, I wonder if the Australian Cricket World Cup win will kind of inspire Ange. Just like. <laughs> I can't remember the tweet. It was like, it was amazing. It was like, someone quoted it and was like, sure, this is the day I believed it was a joke, like his account. But again, like he, uh, you kind of, it's that thing of like feeling validated as a football fan, isn't yeah, it? When like yeah. someone who doesn't, someone who doesn't support your team um, starts kind of like giving you props and starts lusting over your manager and like well, it's like, and it's like we were saying at the top now you've seen all these Bayern fans be like god now I see what Spurs fans were talking about with Harry Kane yeah, it's like, you know they all get it years, like they're, they're all talking about it's not just his goals it's his touch it's his vision it's yes lads yes we have been telling yeah. everybody this but we were laughed at, we now. were laughed out of the yeah we were laughed like out of the room for saying that like a year ago it's like oh well why doesn't he just get in the box and play like a striker it's just like that's one of that is one of the things i actually hate about watching england with yeah. mates who like aren't spurs fans it's just like oh he just spends too much time like on the halfway line it's like oh my god please just stop like we've been having this same conversation <laughs> for the last like five or six years it's just so boring but yeah it, yeah like you said it kind of rubs it, it kind of like it massages your ego a little bit to see like some of those like tactical accounts like lusting over spurs but 
Yeah, it's that that account is so funny. Like I just like every tweet he puts out, I end up reading it because it's just like I genuinely don't know if it's like he he's being real or like it's a yeah. joke or like he just genuinely does love like because it, I don't even know if he actually supports a team. I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet that was like, oh, I don't actually really support anyone. I just kind of love football and I just love like these specific players or like this and manager. He loves so Guardiola, really... doesn't he? I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah, his. I was just looking at his Twitter now. His Twitter header is Harry Kane and Tuchel so <laughs> I don't like I mean like a lot of, but then his profile picture is Pope Guardiola and Cole Palmer so I don't I don't really know but like yeah it's um, the, you know what, the only bad thing is he does say that he thinks Arsenal are going to win the, win the league so that's uh, yeah yeah might unfollow him now for that I yeah no that's it game's gone invert the wings gone <laughs> yeah it's uh, no, it is an interesting one though. It is an interesting one. But he he did some tweet the other day. I'm not you know taking a piss out of his personal situation if it is true or anything. But like you say, you sometimes can't help but feel like it is a bit of a joke because he 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 sort of built up his uh, status online now the, the kind of thirst that people have for his stuff um, by announcing that he's going to be doing his new threads. Right, I'm going to do a thread on Friday evening or I'm going to do one on Thursday evening. And he, yeah. he put out like a, a PSA saying it was something to the effect of like, sorry, my uh, my previously announced thread will be delayed uh, to tomorrow <laughs> evening because I think he said <laughs> I think he said he'd gotten into an argument with his father-in-law or something yeah. like that. Did you see <laughs> I that? I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. It's amazing. Like it's just like some of the pe- I'd love to meet some of the people that like run these accounts because it's just yeah. like you're their like life outside of like this 25 like it's got 25,000 followers on Twitter and, like I said like people like like are thirsting for these threads that he puts out and like these games and it's just like and then it's just like oh yeah sorry guys can't post tonight um, I've just had an argument with my father-in-law he told me to take the bins out and I didn't do it and now he's shouting at me so sorry I can't post it it's just like it's hilarious it's so mad I love Twitter it's just like it's the yeah it's 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 so funny it's interesting it is interesting um we got the. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you you've seen it, mate. You were buzzing about it as everyone else was. Mickey Van Der Ven put out a picture of himself on Instagram running. I think it was his Instagram story. A picture of himself running with a little yeah. egg timer emoji and dot 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 after it. Not that I've uh, examined it or anything. And uh, <laughs> it's a little question from All Killer No Filler. All Kill at All Kill No Fill, who says if Van Der Ven somehow gets to the Villa game and is fit enough to start which I'm, I'm just interjecting here, I doubt very yeah, much, but still. Um, would your <laughs> outlook dream. for the run of winter games be much better or still poor with no Madison? I mean, that is, I mean, it has been very, <laughs> it's not even cryptic really from Van der Ven, is it? But no, it, it's at least asked this question now, well, is it, is it going to, because we, we were sort of thinking it's going to be end of January, February until he's back. If he is back maybe in a month, should we say? I mean, I did, my outlook on my outlook for winter and everything like that is is much improved. Definitely, definitely, Phil. Like he's 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 been such a. I mean, this this has been the painful thing about right about losing Madison and Van der Ven is that those two individually and as part of a system, what they do to the system, have allowed Spurs to play in the way that we've played, and hence losing them has seen us revert back to this. I guess type of murder ball. At least it was against Wolves, wasn't it? That those two are so uniquely important to what we do. Yeah. That it's it's been such a blow. And I don't, I don't I, you know I haven't really even allowed myself to kind of fully 
think about that because I don't want to get too kind of downbeat on the season. I don't want to get to, like you were saying, you know, I find myself going down those rabbit holes of thinking like, oh, we we probably would have lost to Man City, but it would have been nice to go up there with the full team. You know, it would have yeah. been nice to see what this team could have done. No European football, no big injuries, maybe. And we were all saying, could we, maybe, you know, that yeah. that type of thing. It did feel like there was still maybe that opportunity for a bit of a lestering, which I do think is gone now um, yeah, with these sadly. injuries. But, uh, what, I mean, what do you reckon Van der Ven made of that? And what what have you made of it? It was, um, it was a fun, like, a few hours on Twitter the other day, wasn't it, when that came out? And then <laughs> Alistair Gold kind of poured, like, water on it very quickly and was like, oh, I understand that there's been no change to, like, his recovery time it's just like for fuck's sake Alistair it's like you're supposed to be like he's one of the I find him like so funny because it's just like he I don't think any other club has that like one journalist that everyone kind of looks up to in the same way as like the messiah of like all things like Tottenham news and when he said it it was like please tell me like this is a parody account or something because we were all having too much fun being like oh he's definitely gonna be back for Villa like he's definitely gonna be back for like the next few weeks even though he definitely wasn't um <clears throat> it's interesting because Footballers can't post anything on social media nowadays without it being like so forensically analysed, mm. especially when a player's out injured and stuff like that. And it was like, like you said, it was like borderline cryptic. It wasn't even like, it was like, it wasn't one of those things. I saw it and didn't really think much of it. And then when I went onto Twitter and everyone was going on about it, I was like, kind of allowed myself to get swept up in, a, it, swept up in it a little bit. But um, I think you, you never know, because again, like we're, I'm not a doctor. Nobody is like that. Everyone on Twitter, like, who's kind of going, I wonder if it. I don't think I've ever seen like the words grade one, two, or three more on um, Twitter than I've ever seen in my life over the last few weeks. Yeah. But it's like nobody really knows what that actually means. And it's like he. It looked a really, really bad one. Like, looked a really bad one. I was at the game and it was like. It was kind of one of those things where I actually. I said to my mate, I was like. I turned away just before it happened because it was one of those ones where Chelsea were trying to get in behind us in the first half and the Lino kept like flagging. They were kept, kept playing offside. So I just literally for that split second, as another ball kind of went through, you could kind of tell the player was going to be offside. So I literally for a split second looked at my phone because the group chat was like going off about the Romero thing and all that. So I looked down at my phone for a split second. And then as I looked down, I just heard everyone around me just go, oh, for fuck's sake. And like looked up and then Van der Ven was just on the floor. And it yeah. was like, you just felt in that moment, the season just fall apart. You see him standing um, up and screaming as well. Do you know it was terrible. And it was like my mate who's got a season ticket in the South stand just kind of said it was like, he was just like running to, oh, I can't remember, or it was on another podcast, I think someone was saying it about like, you, like where they were stood was like right in front of where he was. And you could just see him running towards you with like no sign of slowing down it's that horrible thing of like watching a car crash kind of before it happens and that in that moment it just kind of everything just felt like it unraveled because I I love James Madison like I'm absolutely in love with him as a player and like I feel like he embodies everything about Tottenham especially this current Tottenham team it felt like he's it's felt like he's been a player for years or, cert or at Tottenham or certainly should have been anyway but Van der Ven is just like whether you look within the squad or whether you look at the it, like at the transfer market his traits are so unique in terms of modern centre-backs that he's just completely irreplaceable. Like, with Madison is such a huge miss, but you could you could probably just about, like, cobble together, like, a solution um, for Madison if you really, like, tried. But, like, Van der Ven is, like, 
and at, like when you take Romero out of the equation as well for at least the next few games, like that is catastrophic. And I think it's just you know, especially I think it always hurts more as well when it's like a young player who's kind of come in and taken to the Premier League like a duck to water and like really, and especially as well like where everyone like there was a lot of people again like who know a lot more about football than me that were like oh you know I actually think Tapsoba suits Tottenham like a lot better and Van der Ven yeah and, like, he's not a bad option but but the, and the way he's kind of come in and just proved everyone wrong and just like oh, it's, so, it's such a shame but like if if he was to kind of, like in that hypothetical scenario where somehow he's back for like Man City that would make everything like it I think like it might be might be wrong or not, but I actually think he's a bigger Mister Madison in a way. Like I know that sounds crazy to say. I, that, know, I, I know what you mean, mate. Is. I really do know what you mean. And it does. It feels yeah. like awkwardly controversial to say, but I don't, I don't really think it is when you actually bury no. into and it. I think it's one of the things. Like I've just said it there, and I thought, oh, is it right? And then you've just said it. But I think if you spoke to like a lot of, if you said that to most Spurs fans, they'd actually probably agree with you, even though on the surface, like from the outside looking in, everyone goes, oh, Madison is the one. But actually. You know, Van like Madison is so. It's not just like the the output from Madison. He is so crucial to the way we play. But that can kind of be figured out. It's going to take time. Like we've got Benton Cord to come back, and you know, I don't think we should be. I know, like seeing him play for Uruguay the other day was like one of the most nervous kind yeah, of like horrible, isn't it? I was I was anticipating waking up in the morning and see our oh, Benton Cord's had a setback from his injury. He, he like, still moves so gingerly as well, though. That's that's know, the problem. It looks with tentative, it. doesn't it? It does yeah. look tentative. But I don't know whether that's because like. Even like before he got injured, there was a part of me that thought like he was the way. Maybe that's just like the way he runs. I don't mm. know. Like I know people became like obsessed with like Ndombele's gait for ages, <laughs> yeah. but like and Kulusevski's as well. And Kulusevski as well. Like, um, but maybe it's that's the thing with Bentacle. But I know what you mean. Like there was, I didn't. I thought it was. I, I didn't notice it so much against um, Wolves because I actually thought when he came on against Wolves, he actually made us significantly better and made like a bit of a difference. But like against Chelsea again with it being his first home game back and got like a significant portion of the game, like about at least half an hour, same as kind of what he did against Wolves and I think the same as what he did for Uruguay as well. Um, I know what you mean, like against Chelsea, I really noticed it. There was like this real tentative kind of nature in terms, but the thing is it's such a huge injury and like you look at the amount of players now who like, like Gavi last night for Spain has done his ACL and like the, the mounting and piling up of injuries is such a huge problem. And I think that makes you even more nervous now about seeing someone like Benton Cord go out and you're just like, oh, please. Like, that's the first thing you're thinking about rather than kind of being excited to see them kind of come back and the sort of player that they can develop back into. But, like, just seeing him walk out, it's just like... I was I was so happy to see him come on against Crystal Palace and that was such a lovely moment. Um, and against Chelsea as well, like, especially with considering the circumstances in which he came on. Like, it was such a nice moment to kind of have that. But it is horrific to kind of watch him because you're just like, oh, God, please, no, not again, like, not again. So, but hopefully, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to kind of project it and like almost, like, speak it into existence, but, like, hopefully well, I, he'll be I, fine. I, you know, I know what you mean because, I mean, we do have to talk about this kind of the the, the injuries in general are, are, are mounting up. We've seen, I don't know if you saw the BBC did a thread today about the amount of players from various different Premier League clubs that are missing yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they're trying to answer the question as to, to to what's causing this, and I think we can all unequivocally say the amount of games that footballers are, are made to play now, right? And yeah, 
what is it? And I don't want to sound like a pearl clutcher about this, and I don't think it is particularly pearl clutching. But what I mean, it does make you question: What is it going to take for the authorities to recognise this? I mean, are we going to have to literally have players dying on the pitch? You know, it has yeah. happened previously. Yeah. Is this? You know, does it take something like that becoming more commonplace? Because it feels like right now we are again we're operating on this idea that exponential growth is infinite right football's great it's a great product it's making us loads of money thus let's make more money from this let's make more and more money and how do we do that more and more football matches let's cram more and more games into this and just forgetting the fact that the people who produce this money for you the people who produce this spectacle this sport are human beings with a with a finite capacity with a limited capacity as we all do in any walk of life we all need downtime we all need to rest we all need to recuperate let alone people whose job is being an elite physical you know <laughs> specimen right yeah. and and if if we just to, if we just to say maybe remove the human emotional element from this because i know that people who tend to uh, challenge you on these kind of things will always say well you know the money has increased and whatever they'll they'll dial it down to numbers and they'll make out like you're just sort of hand wringing and you're being overly emotive about things yeah surely they're degrading the product surely the whole the, the product of the premier league the champions league the world cup whatever you want to call it is, yeah. is going to be reduced by this. We're talking about having a World Cup every two years now. You know, yeah, it's bonkers. stripping the prestige from that. Talking about a Champions League format that's getting expanded, more and more games in that. The World Cup itself, if it's not going to be every two years, we know that it's going to be expanded. More and more games, more and more games, more and more pressure, more and more expectation upon players, upon human beings. Again, with a finite capacity. What, Ben, what is it going to take? What's it going to take for them to realise that this cannot just continue? And it cannot, not, not let alone not just continue, continue to, to increase increase the load on these players. Because it, 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 surely it, it's only going to go one way, right? right. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of, it shouldn't be, but I think it's almost going to have to come down to the players like taking a stand on it because mm. it's, it, but that's a really tricky one because it's like people always say, well, yeah, but you're happy to, it's like Van Dyke came out uh, around a month, I think it might be the last international break. He did an interview which he kind of got criticised for about saying about how like we're playing too many games and all this kind of stuff. And people were critical of him saying, "Yeah, but you're happy to take the money and all this kind of stuff." But it's like it's not really about that. They don't really have a choice. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna not play, are you? Like you're you're not gonna kind of like you're not gonna take yourself out because you're worried about getting injured or you're not going to take the money because you're worried about like footballers when it comes down to it fit or not like we've seen it so many times with Spurs players but like Harry Kane has played in games where he shouldn't have played because he's not fit Champions League final is the greatest example players will want to play as many games of football as they can and that's kind of part of the problem but I think like you said it's going to take something drastic whether that's like whether that's it's going to have to be like one of these showpiece tournaments like the new Champions League product that they're putting forward which is just a ridiculous or like the World Cup or the Euros, mainly the World Cup because of the amount of eyes on it, just being spoiled by the fact that so many of the teams are missing like their star players, like the players that bring the eyes to this product. That's kind of I think what it's gonna what it's gonna take. Like imagine if you had like a the Champions League final at the end of this season contested between Man City and Real Madrid, and there was no Haaland, no De Bruyne, no Foden, no Bellingham no Vinicius Jr., no, like, none of these players. It kind of just takes the shine off of that product, and it's like, football will end up... It's like, you're going to kill the golden goose, aren't you? You're kind of, like, too much of... Mm. It's kind of the same... 
same argument as like football like on TV as well. Like there's so where there's so much football now, there's so much football on TV and you're just kinda kinda can like football's gonna end up like eating itself, I think. You're kinda kinda gonna end up like killing your own product. And kind of like with the attention span of like younger people nowadays, like is that the way to go? Is like too much football like is that gonna end up costing you because like people will end up turning off if like there's too much of it and like with the amount of games that are being played injuries are going to come even more commonplace and the, the worrying thing is as well is that like it's not just like these niggly injuries here and there it's like the amount of acl injuries that are kind of like have, have already occurred within like the last year and i think a lot of it's down to the world cup like these players like last year's world cup like which would have started around what are we now like mid november like it would have started around this time last year um, and I don't think football has has actually really recovered from that because they didn't really get a proper break in the summer. Like, everything was kind of reset back to normal. They were playing stupid international games in the first few weeks of June, like the, like Nations League or qualifiers. That just like, Do they really need to be played then? Do we really need to fit all of these games in? We've had three international breaks already before the, like, the end of the new year. Like Some of these top players, like again, it's, it's a tricky argument because they are in a privileged, privileged position and they earn all this money. But if you strip all that away, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think, coming back to, like, what we were saying before about Sonny, I know Sonny got asked, I think, in the last international break about, like, the amount of games, and he was like, oh, well, I'm just happy to play all the time. I, like, absolutely love playing for my country and love playing for Spurs. And that's amazing. Like, we were so lucky to have a player like him who kind of has that attitude when a lot of players will kind of cr come out and be criticised for saying the opposite. But... That's not to say that someone like Virgil van Dijk hasn't got a point. Like, he is he is right. And he's a player that's coming towards, not the end of his career, but, like, approaching the twilight of it. You know, he's kind of... He's had his career. Like, he's he's still got so much to achieve, don't get me wrong, but, like, he's got all the medals. Do you know what I mean? Champions League, Premier League. The only thing he's really missing is, like, a national tournament with Holland, which I'm sure he'd be desperate to win. Um, and I think he's in quite a good position to come out and say that, especially as someone who's spent... A long period out with injury now that injury was kind of down to a contact in the game that pickford tackle that he ended up spending like a year out off the back of that but like you're just seeing so many non-contact injuries nowadays and it's just like it's just really it's just ruining ruining the sport because at the end of the day the champions league is heralded as this amazing club tournament which it is like it is great and the world cup is fascinating everyone wants to watch it like we were talking about earlier but if the best players aren't going to be available to play then it really does take the shine off of it. And I think that's that's the only way it ends up kind of becoming a problem for FIFA and UEFA it, is it if is if it ends up kind of taking eyes off the sport because the stars aren't almost there. Like, you know. So I don't know how you solve it. I think it's kind of partly down to the the, the responsibility is on the governing bodies, but I also think the players kind of need to come and take a bit more of a stand and kind of say, look, you know, we want to play as much as possible, but this is just getting ridiculous. Snake eating its own tail, isn't it? That's kind of where exactly, we're at now. Exactly, yeah, hundred percent. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us today, Ben. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Where can everyone yes. find you if, like, on your various different platforms, and what are you what are you up to at the moment? Yeah, so uh, everyone can find me on on TikTok. It's Ben Talks Football. Instagram's the same, and then Twitter. Annoyingly, because uh, Ben Talks Football was too many characters, I had to kind of go down the. Uh, uh, European route and make it Ben Talks Football, which I'm sure you might see in the, your tweet earlier. So people can find me there. Um, just making TikTok, just kind of grinding with that at the moment, making daily Spurs content, just updates in terms of things. Um, 
kind of coming up with different video ideas, hypothetical scenarios, giving my opinions on stuff, talking about things in the Premier League, in international football, in the Champions League as well. Um, so yeah, thing, things are things are happening over there. Things are moving quite well. So if anyone wants to find me, that's where they'll mainly find me on TikTok. Yeah, Ben Talks Football. And what's this uh, Anglo-Italian pod I see you're guesting on? Yes, yeah, so I did that last week and they've kind of asked me to kindly be like a regular guest feature on that which is quite exciting they so they're those um, adam and rory they're two brilliant guys um sadly one of them is a gooner but um he's actually all right he's fine um so it's kind of mainly like they've um i think i believe like rory actually lives in italy so they've got like a very vested interest in the Serie A. they really like that so it's kind of half the pod is sort of like talking about the premier league and everything that's going on um just like topical stuff there's gonna be a lot of like international chat tonight um, and then kind of talking about some of the things that are going on in Serie A as well. But I think this week's probably going to be a bit more of a focus on Italy rather than Serie A because we're in the international break. So that will be live on YouTube tonight on their channel at half past eight. So you can find them on socials, Anglo Italian Pod. Um, and then, yeah, it's really good, really good to chat with those guys. But yeah, it's been, been a pleasure coming on. Thanks a lot, mate. Have a, have a good one. Good luck with everything. You too, mate. Nice one. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.